We've been in Matthew 6 for the past three weeks. If you remember, three weeks ago, we, we read the very beginning of Matthew 6, where Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room and, and shut the door, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. And we just asked the question, what would it look like for us as followers of Jesus, if, if you are a follower of Jesus, to reserve the best your life has to offer in the private places, in the inner closet with God. In a culture that says, put your best on display for the crowds, Jesus goes, man, reserve the best you have for God to the inner closet. And when he, he will see you in secret and he will reward you. And then we spent the next week, Cody and Sarah led us in Lectio Divina and Matthew 6, and we covered the Lord's Prayer. And then last week we were in Ephesians 6 with Matthew 6 in mind and talked about what it looks like to live proactively for the kingdom of heaven instead of just reactively against the kingdom of hell. And if you missed any of that and, and wanna catch up, we have a podcast, Ethos Church, Hillsborough Village specifically. Um, but today we're gonna dive into the Lord's Prayer and we're gonna spend the next four weeks uh, just kind of slowly walking through this infamous prayer. And I don't know what life looked like for you growing up, but my guess is Christian or non-Christian, you're probably somewhat familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Even if you've just watched a mob movie, you know, they always go to the Catholic Church and say the Lord's Prayer before doing what mobs do and killing people. And um, so I don't know, maybe that's your only experience, but we're gonna dig a little deeper. We're gonna add to that experience. So um, as I was thinking about the Lord's Prayer and I was thinking about, you know, Jesus and, and what he said right before the Lord's Prayer and then when he introduces it to us, you can take this conversation so many directions, like a lot of Jesus's words. They're powerful and they just cover so much. But I feel like the Holy Spirit was leading me a, a very specific direction this week. So we're, we're just leaving Jesus saying, whenever you pray, get alone, shut the door, and your Father who sees you, he will reward you, bless you. May the blessings of the Lord keep you as you sneeze. Um, <laughs> stupid, recover. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we've just left Jesus saying, you know, so, so pray, pray in secret. And then he says, hey, when you pray, pray like this. And I, I want you to just imagine, whether you would call yourself a Christian or not, if you've ever prayed before, I feel like God was putting this on my heart. Imagine the first 30 to 60 seconds of your prayer life. Jesus goes, when you get alone, when you shut the door, whenever you begin to utter words, pray this way. And his first few sentences, I believe, are gonna address who we understand ourselves to be talking to when we pray. So if I asked you, hey, who do you pray to? You might say, God. But when you say God, and when I say God, and when you say God, and when you say God, we could be meaning a lot of different things, right? Determining our experience. Who we understand God to be, how we understand that relational dynamic has a drastic impact on what comes next, right? This is very simple. This applies in life. Who you understand, whoever you're talking to, as person to person shifts, it affects how you talk to them, what you say to them. Has your boss or your professor ever asked you to come in and have a private conversation? And how did that feel, right? Like whenever the boss says, hey, I need to have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with you. Can you just stay after work and we just talk for a little bit? And you're like, okay. I don't know how this goes, but I'm pretty sure this always goes terrible. Let's have a little talk. Or when the professor goes, hey, could you stay after class? I wanna say something to you real quick. And you're like, I'm sorry, for what? I don't know, I'm, am I bad though? Like whatever it was, I never do good in class. So this can't be a good conversation. You know what I mean? It's like my understanding of someone in authority wanting to talk to me 
affects how I approach their presence. And so today, I don't know what your experience is with God. I don't know what your experience is in following Jesus. I don't know what your perception is with Christianity, but Jesus sets the standard. Jesus is the one that tells us what relationship with God looks like and who God is to us. And he's gonna use the first few sentences of this prayer to inform us on who it is we're talking to and how he views us and how we can view him. And so I wanna read Matthew chapter six. We're gonna read verses nine and 10 and that's it. If you're using one of our blue Bibles, that's on page 473. And if you don't have a Bible, keep the one uh, that you borrowed from us, it's yours now. I'm gonna take a drink of water and then I'm gonna read these two verses. All right, so Matthew 6, 9, and 10. Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm gonna pray over us. Have you ever had a week where you show up to church and and you're like, I haven't talked to God in a minute. Like, I just, you ever had a week like that? I feel like that's where I'm at. I showed up to the office this morning and I have a slide, some slides for us. And they'd been in my head all week, but I hadn't actually made them. And I didn't realize that until this morning. <laughs> I was like, oh wait, it's only up here. And I'm gonna show you nothing if I say that way. And so I, I like got to the office and quickly started typing up notes and getting the slides ready and getting my notes ready. And was just kind of frazzled, if that sounds like the appropriate word, uh, which I don't use very often, so you know it's real. And so I was frazzled and, and I realized, I was talking to the worship team uh, before this gathering started. And I realized like, man, it's so easy to come in here just rushed and going, oh, I gotta get some things done for God and forget that like God wants to be with us and commune with us this morning. So I'm gonna pray for my own self. Like God, help me to like engage you this morning as well and not leave you out as I talk about you. And I invite you to do the same. So I'm gonna pray and uh, let's pray together. God, thanks for your Holy Spirit and thank you, God, that I'm just so thankful that your presence um, is not contingent on how good I think I've done today. God, that when I'm present and aware that you're with me and that when I'm rushed and I'm unaware, you're with me. So Father, as I try to transition from feeling logistically overwhelmed to just sitting with your word and, and just talking about your character God, I don't wanna leave you out of this conversation, ironically. And so, um, Father, will you, I just ask, will you give us a glimpse of your, of your nature, of your character, of your heart today? God, will you help your words to just plant themselves deep into our hearts? God, will you give your church this morning just, just hearts to receive what you have to say? Give us ears that can just hear your voice. Thank you for what you reveal about your character in this prayer. Thank you for a city like Nashville that's just growing, it's exciting. Thank you that 440 is getting more lanes added to it. That's awesome. Um, thanks for sunshine. And God, as school is kicking up, as metro schools have already started and as college is gearing back up, God, I just pray for all the families and 
everyone that is either excited, all the, all the people that are just excited and anticipating this like new season where all these people are gonna show back up and then others that feel overwhelmed and nervous. God, just be with us. You're our leader. Um, lead your church, Jesus. I just ask in your name, may this church be a disciple-making church. In other words, may this church be a church that helps people know who you are and helps people follow you to experience the abundant life you have for us. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm gonna read these verses again. So pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I'm gonna ask you to take notes today if you don't normally. So if you wanna pull out a phone or a pen and paper, we've got pens on the tables, whatever you wanna do. But uh, at the end of this thing, we're gonna like draw something together. So I'm gonna ask you to be engaged on that level. We're gonna try to get your, your audio learners, your visual and your is it tactile? Is writing? Or is that just reading and writing? I don't know. We're going to try to help you learn today, all right? I don't need to know the details. Okay, so let's start. First point, God our Father. And maybe in parentheses, just write the word approachable. God our Father. God our Father is approachable. So Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. And if you've heard this a lot, you already missed it. He says, our Father. That's his first two words of when you pray, which is actually really powerful. And and today, this might not feel mind-blowing. In fact, we might even be a little too comfortable with this language to realize the significance of it. If you've heard any Australian lead worship, they've told you like, your father loves you. He's, and they always... That was in my notes. Australian accent was in my notes. Anyway, um, but so many like worship albums that you listen to now are, are, are worshiping in truth, in very beautiful truth, that, that good, good father, that's such a common song. So we're kind of aware of this. Like, hey, we believe God to be a good father who loves you, and that is 100% true. But for us to understand that when Jesus says, pray like this, our father I want you to try to imagine what it would be like to only know God pre-Jesus because in the Old Testament, this word father is connected to God about 15 times. And every time God is referred to as father, it's to the nation of Israel or in regards to a kingdom or a king. It's never used in this like individual sense. And so when someone would pray, their first words individually would not be father, right? Like think about Old Testament stories, like God is more like thunder and lightning. High priests are struck down if they entered into the presence of God in an unholy manner. Moses can't look directly at God. That's their understanding of who God is. And Jesus says, hey, when you pray, there's a new way of praying. You say, our Father, Jesus is really shifting a narrative here. And I don't wanna assume that all of us are super comfortable with Father. Some of us still aren't comfortable with that, even though we may have heard it in a worship album or in church. Some of us still don't feel this is true, that God being almighty and righteous and perfect and ruling the entire universe, there is no chance he's approachable. And yet Jesus says, when you pray, first and foremost, understand you come into the presence of our Father, In John 3, 16, Jesus says, for God so loved the world. Not God was so annoyed and gritting his teeth at the world that he had to fix this problem that wasn't his fault. 
God so loved the world. And, and a lot goes in to this word father. As I was thinking this week about this, honestly, I, I was brought to a moment of tears, and, which is not like me when I'm prepping for teaching. And I was just like moved. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was just like really letting me in on so many of us right now carry a lot of insecurities and have a really broken understanding of who we are because of things said or done to us by our earthly fathers. Like right now, a lot of us are walking in a misunderstanding of how God genuinely looks at you because of what you've experienced in your earthly parental relationships. And just to remind us today that before my dad, before Scott Soloway is my dad, God is my father. That God sets the narrative for what a father is. That the enemy, the father of lies, has waged war on this word. That when I say that God is a good father, some of us, we, we're like, well, I don't know what you mean. That when we think of like Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son's story, for so many of us, when we went on rebellious stints and we came back home, the father did not run and hug us and pick us up. Maybe he wasn't home when we came back. Maybe he had a harsh word. Maybe he totally left us out of the family. Maybe he abused us. There's so much baggage on this word, but Jesus is going, no, 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 no. Let me shape how you see a father. For God so loved you, he gave up everything for you. And when you talk to him, when you come into his presence, remember you are approaching your father. The father that, that knew you in the womb, that in Psalm 139 calls you fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't know, when you look in the mirror, when you think about you, I wonder what your first thoughts are. But scripture gives us insight on God's thoughts. Fearfully, wonderfully made. He creates humanity and says this, now this, this is good. And when God says that about his own work, he's done something good, okay? When God creates humanity and says, this is good, he did a good job, all right? Those compliments mean something when God says them, okay? He kind of pats himself on the back, which is cool because you know, he's divine, he can do what he wants. So this is good. That's what he looks at you and says. And even as I say it, you're used to those is that an anecdote? Probably, I don't know what that would be. You're used to hearing things like this. You're not surprised that I'm here telling you that, hey, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at you and says, this is good. And yet still, deep down, you don't know how to receive that. Holy Spirit, help us receive that when we come into the presence saying, our Father, we approach someone who loves us, who gave everything for us, who looks at us fearfully and wonderfully made and calls it good. That's God's view of you in Jesus. It says, our Father in heaven, did anyone grow up? And whenever they said in heaven, you went in heaven, right? Like way up there. Can you hear me? I don't know how this works, but you are way up there. Because right now all I'm seeing is clouds and blue sky. You know, like God, way up there. 
How far away are you? I don't know. But when this word heaven is used, think of the word like transcendent, more like all around, everywhere. When scripture talks about the spirit of God, another word for spirit could be like breath, wind. Have you ever felt discouraged when you're talking to God and been like, okay, God, our father, who is a billion miles away. Have you ever felt that when you talk to the Lord? And Jesus goes, sometimes you walk into the, Jesus doesn't actually say this, but this is what I was feeling in my heart, okay? So Jesus goes, sometimes you walk into the presence of God and you just assume, fingers crossed, you've got a 1% chance of him possibly hearing from that distance. God, I got a better chance of the roof of my car hearing me than you actually listening and responding. But Jesus goes, don't walk in with that narrative. Our Father in heaven, as close as your breath, your Father is near. He's attentive. I don't know what it looks like for you to walk into the presence of God, the first things that come out of your mouth. But again, I felt led that this was supposed to shape the first 30 to 60 seconds of your prayer life. As you pray this week, consider slowing down enough to go, you're my father in heaven who is near. You're my father who loves me and is right here. And you are attentive and you are listening. Does that make sense? Do we, do we see what I'm saying here? Our father in heaven. So point one, our father. God, our father. He's approachable. He's not some cold, callous, like king, but he is our father, the king. Our father, the king, second point. It says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed. In other words, set apart, holy, all right? Other than, hallowed be your name. And I want us to understand that when Jesus says, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, when you said, hallowed be your name, you did not just make his name hallowed, okay? So we do not make the name of God holy or hallowed or set apart. We come into the presence and it's up to us. Do you want to acknowledge that you are entering into the presence of someone completely other than? He is a father, but he is holy, okay? Like, he's different. He's not your BFF. He is, but he's not, right? Like he's your best friend, but also he is like all-powerful, all-consuming God. We come into the presence of God going, our father who is near, who loves me, but who is completely separate. He's not human. He's holy. And me saying that didn't make him holy. He was holy way before I had anything to say about it, right? When someone is voted into power, We can acknowledge that power or not. Us saying you have authority doesn't give them authority. They already have authority. It's the same sense that when we talk to God, we don't give him holiness. He is holy. It's up to us to acknowledge it. And Jesus goes, when you come into the presence of God, acknowledge, hallowed be your name. And it's not saying the name God is hallowed. It is. It's saying everything about God is hallowed. Everything that has to do with God is holy, powerful, Big. Then it says, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. For us to understand that when Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of God is near, that there is a real kingdom. We talked about this last week a little bit. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of hell. And to acknowledge 
that there is a kingdom of heaven is to acknowledge that there is a king of that kingdom, the king of kings, as scripture would call him, and the king of that kingdom is God. Isaiah 66, one says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. God is powerful. He reigns over a kingdom that is actually advancing with real power and real purpose. And Jesus goes, man, I've got good news. You've got a heavenly father that loves you and he rules everything. He is in charge. He is advancing. And what's so amazing about this king is he's advancing a kingdom of righteousness of grace, of holiness, of peace, of power. He's coming to men broken hearts. That's the kind of king that you're coming into the presence of, as opposed to the kings that maybe come to our mind. I mean, scripture, if you think about it, David is the guy that gets the beautiful like title of a man after God's own heart, and he like sleeps around and has a guy killed. It's like, that's kind of the best king we got (laughs) in scripture. Not super hot. Solomon, this amazing prayer. God, if you can give me one thing, give me wisdom. It's an amazing thing. And then he really kind of messes some things up. He brings a lot of idolatry and just pagan ways, right? Like the kings of scripture. And a lot of the kings that we know of right now, if we think of like, who's the king I know of? You probably know of them because of like tyranny, of bad things. Rarely do you think of a king and go, oh, that king was amazing, right? They're fallen people. But God says, before there was ever an earthly king, like I am the king, Even in 1 Samuel, if you think about the dialogue that happens when the Israelites, they want a king so bad. And God's like, I want to be your king. Don't hunger for like some big, strong man to lead you. I want to lead you. God is first and foremost the king and he advances the kingdom of power, of righteousness and holiness. And I wanted to spend a lot less time teaching and a lot more time kind of like dialoguing. So I came up with this, whoa, I accidentally lied. I did not come up with this. I was taught this tool and I want to show you this tool. Um, That would be so greedy of me. So I made up this tool. Uh, No one ever showed me. This is it. Um, But I'd love for us, actually, can you bring that to me? Can I I have that thing? I should have already done this, sorry. But this is where, I want to start taking some notes here. I want to talk about what it looks like to relate to God as father and as king. And thank you, Sarah. That's Sarah, campus coordinator, Sarah. Thank you. She, her and Caleb orchestrated all of HV Olympics, which went great. Hope you got a medal. Um, I got four of them. Um, Whoa, did I say that loud? What the world, Lord? You're my king and my father. All right, Uh, so um, you are all gold medals. Father, king, here we go. So I wanna talk about this tool and we're gonna use this because I believe that all of us relate to God on some level if if we follow Jesus and And we're also gonna talk about people that maybe don't follow Jesus at all, and we'll we'll address that. But if you believe in Jesus, if you follow God, I believe that in unhealthy seasons, you're gonna find yourself leaning one way or the other, and that when you lean too far into one and away from another one, so if you lean too far into Father and away from God as like king, it can have some consequences. And I I just wanna talk through it. And I think it's gonna help you understand how you connect to God and why. And really, if I'm giving my like real big picture hope, you're gonna help other people think through this lens, help them understand, oh, why do I react this way to God whenever I blank? Oh, why do I view God or me this way every time I do this thing? So I wanna walk through this, okay? So if you're taking notes, I would love for you to write this down, all right? All right, all right, all right, all right, good. All right, good, all right. (laughs) Hey, I'd love to get a church that just says all right. All right, all right, so first, this is that upper left quadrant, okay? So 
Father king, all right, upper left. Father, you relate to more of him as a father than as a king, okay? Whoa. Nope. Hold on, guys. Something happened. Oh, no, Sarah, I may need your help. Oh. <laughs> father king, all right? This is the upper left quadrant. This is where you go, man, I just love God my father. He loves me which is true, but where you go, what I believe most about God is that he's a God of grace and he's here to meet my needs as a good father would, right? And so what you're gonna hear in everything I say is there's some truth in everything, but you're gonna watch it go a little too severe, okay? Because when you embrace God as father who loves you unending, which is so true, but you don't embrace him as king, you'll find that God is there to meet your needs, to keep you comfortable. Almost think of like a, a rich dad who just like spoils you to death and that's his only role in your life. Not very, like not very close in that sense of telling you what to do, being authoritative, but just giving you things. You become, you become someone who values God because of the comfort he brings to your life personally. And because of that, you become apathetic to the needs of others. You just go, hey, just God loves you. Just know he loves you. It's not really giving a lot of direction, but that's just the narrative you're living in. He just loves, 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 loves. That's what he does. He gives grace, he gives grace, he gives grace. And in that, you kind of start viewing God as an equal. Think of it like when you're a kid, your parents are more authoritative, right? But as you get older, if you're old enough, you've experienced a transition where even though they might still be authoritative, the, the dynamic has certainly shifted. And at some point, you might get old enough to become cynical towards your parents, and they're almost the opposite of authoritative. And you're kind of running your life and your parents are kind of the crazy people that don't know what they're talking about, right? This can happen with God. Like as we say, God, you're just like my father. Who, your job is just to love me and to provide for my needs and my comfort. And thank you for your grace. It's amazing. You're awesome. I love you. Leave me alone. All right. Thank you for your blessing. This is what uh, Ephesians, the good father, is unending. But they take this a step further. They go, okay, if the grace is unending, then I guess we're kind of good to do whatever. Like, it's all right. Let's just do whatever we want. We got grace, right? And he literally, Paul literally addresses this and goes, what shall we say then? Shall we sin more so that grace may increase? May it never be. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Right? He's addressing this like false narrative that just because grace is free doesn't mean it's cheap. Doesn't mean it wasn't bought with a price, right? So if you have an unhealthy understanding of God as only father, not as king, you tend to discount sin and, and the harmful effects of sin. And you tend to just lean on grace a little too much, not understanding why grace is offered in the first place. You're gonna easily embrace Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, which says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And you go, well, grace is not a result of works, so I'm not gonna get lost in works at all. I'm just gonna like lean on grace. Does that make sense? Do we understand what I'm kind of getting at? Kind of a cozy, comfortable life with God, all right? You're taking something that's true, but you're kind of running too far with it and forgetting another aspect of God's character, okay? Let's transition, all right? Just to remind us. So we just covered the top left quadrant. Now we're in the bottom right quadrant where we go, no, God is like king. He's holy, he is righteous, he is not to be messed with. And if you tend to have a personality that's like a big time rule follower, doing everything to the T, this might be where you land. And plenty of other personalities might land here as well. But 
When you tend to view God as this holy, righteous king, forgetting that he's also your father who loves you, you tend to be a little more on the legalistic, stressed outside. We talked about this last week a little bit, what it looks like to go, I'm always scared, I'm doing something wrong. And like the king of kings is gonna come down on me from his throne and punish me, right? And in this, we have more of like an employer-employee relationship. Maybe even think about like contract over covenant. Whereas covenant is this unending love, this like, no matter what you do, I'm always here. Luke 15, I'm, I'm running after my son. This mindset goes, as long as I live up to my side of the agreement, you'll live up to yours. But the minute I don't live up to my side of the agreement, it's breached. The agreement is broken. And then you start questioning your relationship with God. So if God is only a king and he's not your father, you tend to live a little stressed. When you're high, you're high because you're being obedient, you're doing good. But when you're low, you're real low because when you're disobedient, where's your identity? with the king, you're, like, you're living outside the kingdom. So Ephesians 2.10, just the next verses after eight and nine says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So if you tend to just lean heavy into the king life, you go, what are the good works I'm supposed to be walking in right now? And if, I, if I'm not doing it right, I'm, I'm out. And you're kind of neglecting eight and nine, okay? In that bottom left quadrant, you're not embracing either one, that God is neither father nor king, uh, this is where you're, you're kind of living life as an orphan, going, God may or may not be real. Regardless, he's probably not coming for me. He probably doesn't love me. You know what I mean? So I think about an orphan child, like going, I, I don't know if my parents are ever gonna come for me or not. Maybe they're alive, maybe they're not. Similar with someone that isn't sure of God's reality. Uh, he's non-existent or non-personal. He's vague, he's distant. Truth is very broad, the universe is the karma, whatever you want to say. It just goes, I don't know. It's all just kind of out there and vague, and I'm not trying to make specifics out of it. So it means to be in an orphan mindset. To walk in a healthy posture of God being both father and king. He's your father, the king. It's to walk in a healthy understanding that you are a beloved child, always and forever. If you think about Romans 8, where Paul just goes off about what can separate you from the love of God. You know what? Let's read this, because this is wild. It's bars. He starts spitting bars here. Um, he says, For I am sure that, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're sitting here thinking like a couple of bad weeks off of scripture. And we're like, God, are we good? And Paul's like, let me explain how good you are, <laughs> okay? Here's the things that try to separate you and fail, all right? So I think that's pretty powerful. So this understanding of God as Father knows that we're a beloved child, but also we live as an empowered disciple where Jesus goes, I'm advancing a kingdom. Do it with me. Follow me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. He says, I will be with you to the end of the age. So we understand that we obey God because he loves us. We're in a loving relationship. We understand his goodness, the kingdom that is advancing, and we walk with Jesus as an empowered disciple. Now that's where you see Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 come together in a healthy way, where it goes, man, it's by, I know it's by grace. I could never boast of my own doing. I don't find my value with God based on my merit, but I also understand that the God that saved me by his infinite grace has set something beautiful in front of me to help other people come to know his presence, to advance the kingdom of heaven. It acknowledges the kingdom of hell is real. We're advancing the kingdom of heaven against it. 
people need to know God to experience the abundant life of Jesus, and I'm, I'm all in on that mission with my father, the king. So it understands both. Does that make sense? Um, any questions? I, I love any questions on this thing, and I'm gonna keep walking us through some stuff, but just to pause. Okay, text me, email me. Um, all right, so the next thing I wanna do is we're gonna do a little open response for the church uh, with, the, with the, us. We're gonna talk together, okay? So, uh, <laughs> whew, uh, eloquent. Um, all right, so I wanna show us this prayer. Guys, this prayer is so freaking good. I'm trying to say freaking. Um, but this prayer has really just rocked my world this year. Uh, I remember I was, I don't know if you've ever done like imaginative reading, but I was reading this passage and sometimes I just, I close my, someone taught me this, I can't remember who or when, but I'll close my eyes and I'll just picture, I wonder what that was like. And I'll try to stay in line with what scripture is saying. <laughs> you know, I don't wanna get heretical with my imagination, but I just pictured like, okay, Jesus is in the, it's, it's in the middle of the night. He's in this garden and it's right before he's gonna be arrested and he looks at Peter, James, and John and says, I'm distressed to the point of death. Pray for me, right? And then he goes away. And I just pictured how quiet it was, what he's anticipating. He knows he's about to die. He's, it's the most stressed out point in scripture. And he says these words. And it just like, whew, devastated me just how beautiful this moment is and how awful it is for Jesus. But he gets up and anyway, I'm going on a tangent. I'd love for us to talk as a church. When you look at this prayer, Right before Jesus is gonna to go to the cross, he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. What he's saying there is all things are possible for you. And if I don't have to go to the cross, take it away. That's, that's what Jesus is saying here. He's going, I don't want this next thing, but not my will, but what you will. So I'd love to talk. Where do you see, and this is a moving part, so just answer whatever you want, but where do you see a father-son relationship? Where do you see Jesus really leaning into that understanding of my God is my father who loves me, who cares for me? I'd love to hear. Yes. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, Tabitha said that Abba is this like intimate word. It's, it's, very, it's not formal. It's, it's like dad. It's like whatever you call your dad, whatever his nickname is in your phone, it's like your personal relationship. It's not father, it's dad or pops or whatever it would be. But, but Jesus, the first words out of his mouth are like dad, like my close father, Right, it's this intimate word. It's such a good point. That's that father son. You you feel that there. Where else? Or what else? Yes. I think the, the first two sentences as a whole, like what the Tabitha mentioned, and then the all things are possible for you. I think it just shows so much trust, like so much. It's like I I have full confidence in your ability to do whatever. And then I think the second sentence just shows like like Jesus' whole purpose was to do this, and yet he's comfortable enough. Like, it's like, you know, your dad just wanted you 
be a doctor like your whole life, and then you finish med school and you're like, yeah, I don't really feel like it. It's like to have that kind of confidence where you can have that conversation mm. where it's like, listen, everything that you wanted for my life, I appreciate it, but I don't want it. You know, to be able to have that relationship where you're not afraid of what he's going to say. And I think that's, to me, that's really powerful. Yes, dude. Whew, chills everywhere, all over my arms. Just that's so good. Yes, like Jesus in in this just horrifying moment, facing something that I don't know any of us have ever had to face. He says very boldly, "Can we call an audible?" That, that audacious, bold request in the presence of his Father is rooted in security. Like you only get that bold with a parent you know has has its best for you, loves you thoroughly despite whatever you do, right? He goes, remove this. That's such, I love that doctor example. Just years of this has been the plan for all of eternity. Can we change it? That's the comfort that comes with the son and a father. Where do we see something like kingly, more like God is king? You guys are doing great. Yeah, yeah, the, the obedience in this, where Jesus goes, not my will, but your will be done. Understanding that God is a king advancing the kingdom of heaven who has the best interest of not just Jesus, but the world. Like he's wanting to advance the kingdom in the entire earth for God so loved the world that whoever believes in Jesus of everlasting life. And Jesus goes, here's where I'm at. I don't want this. But I also trust that your will in this moment overcomes my will every time because you have the good of the world in your heart, that you're advancing the kingdom of heaven. And so we approach God as, I just see this honesty with the Father. You're my Father, I can tell you anything. But you're the King of, the, of kings, of the universe, of the world. So I trust that as I come with you in honesty, that I can submit to your will and the best will be done for the world, for me, that you know best, right? So you see this like honesty, but like this submission, and it's just like this insanely beautiful moment. And I, I wanna give us a few moments to process how we might relate to God more. And so I wanna give you a question to just reflect on and maybe even take notes on personally. And then I'm gonna invite us to share, but for a second, I wanna give you some time to just reflect on your own. Where do you feel like you tend to relate to God, I guess, easier? Like, where do you kind of default? Maybe default's a good word here. Where do you tend to default in your understanding of who God is and how he views you? And how do you know that? So I'll put this up to just remind us, all right, if you can read those little words. Um, but just think for a little bit to yourself and, and just go, okay, how do I tend to relate to God and you might be in a place where, because I believe that as you grow in your relationship with God, that it's way easier to see God one and the same, Father, King, simultaneously. If you've ever seen uh, National Treasure and the, uh, the different colored lenses, and they're reading the Constitution or something, and as the lenses come together, the images all, it's like, <laughs> picture that for Jesus. You're reading the Bible, and you put the red and the blue together, but... But over time, I do believe you see this Father King, they come together and you see God is the same, much like what Jesus did right there in Mark 14. You can tell he's not like going, God, you're my father, so here's my request, but you're also my king, so 
I'll, I'll, do, I'll do what I need to do. Like, you just see it happening in the same breath. He understands that reality of both. And that happens for us too. So I guess I'm asking, maybe in unhealthy seasons or when you're doubtful of, of who you are, of God, where do you tend to lean? So think through that for a little bit, take notes on it, and then I'll have us share. Okay, is that cool? So think, think for about two minutes. Then I'll bring us back to the front. All right, I'd love to hear, um, just if you're comfortable enough, just for the whole church, this is a small enough room, I think it's okay. Um, hope you're not too, uh, not scared, but you know, just have courage, share. Um, where do you tend to lean? Share, what's, share something that's going through your heart, through your mind. Where do you feel like you tend to relate to God and just kind of elaborate? Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's really good. I think, I, I literally wrote down while I was thinking, I think apathy towards sin is when you know you lean father. And I think a lot of us will actually tend to go, oh, I'm a king. I just always think I need to be doing it. And I'm like, if you actually search a little harder, a lot of us also have some fatherly stuff where we go, ah, it's all right. Uh, no. He knows, he understands. You know, it's like, oh, actually, he wants to say something about that. And that's really good. Thanks for sharing that. Was it, was it you? That's so good. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah.
That's really strong. That's really good. I couldn't possibly articulate what you just articulated. Um, so so I, what I hear is the things in your control, you can be legalistic and stressed about. The things that feel out of your control and nebulous, maybe top left, right? Oh, it's all good. And just kind of instead of perversion of both, which is super strong. Anything else? Let me know when you do. I'm going to need your help. Um, That's awesome. I just realized how vulnerable everyone's being. I think I realized it this whole time, but just want to name it for us. It's so cool. What in the world? Like y'all just came here in a room and you know some of them. You know some people here and not most. 
or maybe we're such a good community that you know everyone here. Uh, I hope so, fingers crossed. But thank you guys for, for being honest and being vulnerable. Um, something I wrote down during reflection that I hadn't thought of before, I think um, if you tend to lean father, uh, you're quicker to go, hey, you love me and I love you too. And if you tend to lean king, you go, hey, you command me and I obey you. And just like giving myself, what I realized for me is I tend to lean king. I'm like, all right, what's next? What we got? God, what's up? I know you got something for me. Let's get it going. And I rarely stop and go, you love me and I love you. And that's such a, a cool thing. But with all this, this is just to help you, right? So my people that lean hard into the king in unhealthy seasons, don't let this become a standardized test for you. Where you're like, oh, I'm in that quadrant again. <laughs> uh, and uh, my people that tend to lean unhealthy into father, don't just crumble this up and throw it away because it doesn't matter because you're just loved, all right? So, uh, um, so, but let this just help you where it helps you. I will say that if you tend to lean father, like heavy, then sometimes you'll be stressed by God calling you into holiness and righteousness and obedience. And you'll think, oh, I'm being too legalistic. And you're actually not. Like you're, you're actually just, Jesus is teaching you to be obedient. And the other side, like what you really brought this up in my heart as you were talking, because if you tend to be on the king side, you might think, okay, I've lingered long enough in identity and he just loves me. And God might be going, actually, we're not even halfway there. You need to sit a little bit longer. <laughs> and so just know that if you tend to lean one way or the other, going to the other side will always feel like a stretch and maybe even too much. And it may not be too much. Discern that with the Holy Spirit and in community. That was a passive way to say that. Discern that with the Holy Spirit and with community. That's a really, those are two really good steps um, just to talk it out with others. So, um, man, I hope this was helpful. Uh, if you want to elaborate or talk more about this, I have this in my notes. If you want anything from me, resources, just let me know. I think this is a very helpful thing. And, and as you're talking with others, learn to listen through this lens. If someone's talking through their relationship with God, this might help you go, oh, I think they tend to lean here, lean here, and that, here's how I can help. It's helped me navigate people's walk with God. Oh, I think I want to help them like realize God loves them, like, like even more than they're willing to acknowledge, or, or maybe I want to help them live in obedience. So um, we're going to take communion together. Uh, I'm going to read the Lord's Prayer over us, then we'll take communion. So if you wouldn't mind, stand, and you can exit towards the middle. We've got communion in all four corners of the room. And uh, don't take it quite yet. Just stay standing, return to your seats, and um, we'll take it together as a, as a family. Once you've got communion, you can just uh, stand where you are. Or if you want to stay seated, honestly, do, do your thing. After I read the prayer, you can just take the bread and the cup. And you know, during worship, just take time to absorb. That's what we talked about today. And talk to God and acknowledge who he is in your life. And just however the spirit leads you. Um, every week, I think I say this, but treat this like your living room in whatever way it looks like to be comfortable and just to be with God as we're all with God together, whatever that looks like. You need to go to the back or sit or take a walk. Do what it looks, do whatever you need to do to pursue God as he's pursued you. So I'm gonna read this prayer and then we'll take communion together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's take the bread and the cup together and we'll worship.